millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Outspoken with White and Jordan. The uh, transfer sagas are uh, revving up. Manchester United edging closer to getting hold of Mason Mount. Kai Havertz is on the way uh, to Arsenal. Gundogan's done to Barcelona. Ziyech seems to be heading to Saudi Arabia. And now we hear that Bernardo Silva could be heading there as well. And we thought that Ruben Neves would be a game changer. But this is massive if Bernardo Silva goes. 29, treble winner, Portuguese international. Mm. If he decides to go and play in Saudi Arabia, what what will that do to the landscape? Um, look, I mean, there's a common denominator for some of these big transactions. They all seem to be Portuguese. There always seems to be someone in the middle of it like Mendes. And it may just be a moment in time that we've all got to suck our cheeks in and look at and say, OK... Okay, we've seen Ronaldo go there and open the floodgates. Nuno Espinosa Santos managing over there, another Portuguese guy. Neves is going over there now, Bernardo Silva. It might just be that dynamic and it might be something more. Um, I understand the concerns. I, I, I share the concerns about the nature of what... Uh, uh, a different league, a different country can do to destabilise the ecosystem of football and the challenges. But again, I still think there is enough footballers that believe that the value of football is about what you can achieve rather than how much you can get paid at a certain stage in your career. No one's going to suggest that going to these leagues that are trying to build themselves up for whatever their agenda is mm. at 33, 34 is something that, despite the preposterous nature of the scale of the money, that's on them, right? And the Saudis, if they want to spend that, then we can sort of we can countenance that, can't we? Um, but when it comes to players of a certain age, vintage and ilk going there, it becomes slightly more troubling. But I still believe, you know, again, talking to someone the other day, Matt Letizier talked about his career and the opportunities he could have had to go and play for Chelsea and Tottenham, but he wanted to play for a club that he enjoyed playing for. Because he wanted to entertain. And he wanted to entertain, absolutely. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Can you not love the EFL? And here's Vardy with an effort across the goalkeeper and in. Brilliant goal from Leicester. Alcaraz with a finish. And Southampton are back in it. The championship never feels to deliver. Somerville has surely won it for Leeds United. Right on cue. Juberek Pom. Into Jack Clark who shoots into the corner. And races 
to celebrate with a Sunderland fans. And Wednesday win it with a diving header from Josh Windus. Sheffield Wednesday back in the championship. How much jeopardy there is in League One. Elias Kachunga may have won it for Bolton. To send Carlisle into League One. Charter steps up and he makes no mistake. Every big Hollywood blockbuster has a happy ending. And Paul Mullen has just provided it. Your home of the EFL is always Talk Sport 2. Yeah, Talk Sport, Talk Sport 2, bringing you Championship, EFL commentaries, League One, League Two throughout the course of next season. We've got more football than anyone else. And uh, Ian Danter is very much behind our uh, Football League coverage, and he's in the studio now. Hello. Good morning. You all right? Yes, very well. Good, Thanks. Good, nice good. to see you both. Um, exciting day when the fixtures get released, and we all sort of gravitate to the big uh, fixtures, the big derby fixtures. I was particularly interested in Ipswich against Norwich, uh, the old farm. Well, um, we have to wait a bit for that. Yes. 16th of December when uh, Norwich travelled to Portman Road. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And then April, early April at Carrow Road for the for the uh, the return fixture. So, yeah, we're going to wait a bit for that, but Kieran McKenna clearly very much looking forward to it, hearing him chatting with Al and Ali on The Breakfast Show just now. So we've got more than 100 games from the EFL live across the TalkSport network this season. And, of course, you've got the EFL Cup, the draws being made for that this afternoon, and the EFL Trophy fixtures. And we'll start with... Playoffs, don't forget the playoffs. We the, love playoff, the playoffs. Every game in the playoffs, live and exclusive. And we'll start with Sheffield Wednesday, Southampton on Friday night, the 4th of August. So you've got teams coming from different directions into the championship, facing one another. You've just mentioned about Russell Martin, but of course Sheffield Wednesday are looking for a replacement for Darren Moore after his disgraceful treatment at the hands of Mr Chancery. So we'll see what direction the Owls go in for their... Uh, for their next manager. Who have Leeds got on the opening day of the season, Dance? Leeds United play <laughs> Cardiff on Sunday afternoon, the 6th of August, 2.30. That'll be live on the TalkSport Network. What an opener. What a fixture that is it to is. start the season. Uh, so Leeds United looking for a manager. Uh, you, you say you, you were saying before the break you've got a hot take on who that might be. Uh, but Cardiff, of course, have a new manager. Uh, Errol Balut, who was formerly at Fenerbahce. So he's come from the Turkish Super League over to the UK, see how he can uh, pit his wits against Leeds United. But um, yeah, so Leeds, Cardiff, Sunday afternoon, that'll be live on the TalkSport Network. Before that on the Sunday, the M69 derby, Leicester against Coventry. They lock horns at noon. Enzo Moresco's first game in charge. Yeah, I, mean, I remember him playing for West Bromwich Albion back in the day and he was much loved as a, as a West Brom player, but having another sort of Pep Guardiola apprentice like Mikel Arteta was, let's see what... What Maresca has learned to interesting the actually. Uh, li- listening to him talk yesterday, was he was sort of suggesting that you know he, he, when Pep headhunted him and hired him at the beginning of last season, he, he said to Pep, "Look, I will come and I want to do it. I want to be a part of it and I want to learn at your feet. But I do want to be a manager." And Pep was like, "Yeah, if an offer comes up and you want to be a manager, then fine." So it's almost as if they, this was always sort mm. of part of the plan. But what about Leeds United? Because uh, we mentioned that we, we got a view on that. The uh, the San Francisco 49ers are now fully in charge. Um, the favourites, Farker, Parker, and Patrick Vieira. Mm. What do you make of that? Not a lot, quite frankly, of any of them. Um, I think if Parker's learned his lesson and learned when to speak and when to be quiet and has become a wiser manager, then maybe that would be something that could bear fruit because ultimately he took Bournemouth out of the division. I think they need to look deeper at Patrick Vieira and look at the reasons why the wheels came off at Crystal Palace and ascertain what lessons he may well have learnt from that. Daniel Farker probably, for me, is the cream of that particular crop. 
whether we like his presentation or his haircut is incidental. And in your case, he's in aftershave wearing. Um, he does wear a lot of aftershave. Yeah. Well, you could learn from that lesson, <laughs> Sam. Um, but I, um, I think that given, given the fact that he was moderately successful and certainly successful after a period of time, they gave him a passage of time. Dealer gave him a bit of time to bed in because there was a period mm. of time when he first went there Absolutely. when it was not good. But he got him out of the division. And think, that's what you're looking for. I think one thing we can say about managing in the EFL, I think we can, with what Vincent Company did last year at Burnley, we can finally do away with this he doesn't know the league cliche that gets trotted out time and again when somebody gets appointed because Vincent didn't know anything yeah, but about exceptions don't always prove rules, though, do they? No, but nevertheless, a, a wholesale change of squad members mm. and they won at a canter is impressive stuff. So I don't think... Depending I think, on who I, think they he's go an, for. I think he's an exceptional circumstance. I think he's been managing in an Andalic for a period of time and learnt a lot there as a result of his experiences. I also think he happens to be a unique individual because you don't get to have the roster of achievements. And I never like the translation between great player and manager. Doesn't happen always. But, but in this instance, I think he's a, a, a man of substance, of proper substance, and I think that translates. I think he's a leader. Well, you of speak men. to 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 Craig Bellamy, right? Yeah, and, and you speak to anybody in and around the football club. They'll tell you that. I mean, Craig Bellamy says, "I live and breathe football. I, mm -hmm. I've, I'm in an apartment in Manchester. I get up in the morning. I go to the training ground. I work 13, 14 hours a day. Come back into Manchester, have a century, then go back and do it again. Whatever." Mm -hmm. he, he said, "But Vincent Company." Does more than I do. He, he's the when I get there, he's already there. Well, so it's all about hard work. It's about preparation. It's about complete dedication. It's not just about like you know, you might well, have earned your stripes being a football player, but that means nothing unless you put the endeavour and the effort and the and and, and, the, and the intelligence behind the theory yeah. of. What all I'm saying learned. is, it's not impossible that a, a manager can come into English football with no knowledge necessarily of the EFL mm. and do really well. So. You know, someone like Errol Bullard at Cardiff might have an extraordinary mm. season. You look at Rob Edwards, who had five minutes yeah. at Forest Green Rovers, went in at Luton Town. Hey ho, they're in the Premier League. But he was well, always talked about, Watford, didn't he? He yeah. was always talked about as someone who was a bright young coach. I remember when he was at the FA, people were talking about the possibility. Yeah, no, I had him at Palace as a player, so yeah. I know that his characteristics were up, you know, upright and, and forward thinking. I, I think potentially this is the strongest championship for. A, it's going to be long exciting, time. isn't it? Because you've got three teams coming up in Plymouth who scored a hundred points, Ipswich that scored a hundred goals, and Sheffield Wednesday who went on that points. twenty-three game unbeaten run and yeah didn't go up as champions with 96 points so they're all strong although there's that Sheffield Wednesday managerial situation that's still got to sort itself out then you've got the three teams that have come down in Leicester Leeds and Southampton sometimes it doesn't work out we saw Watford finish 11th and Norwich 13th after relegation last year mm. so sometimes you know that idea of bouncing straight back doesn't always work and then you've got the teams like Watford and Norwich and West Bromwich Albion who will be frustrated by the seasons they had last season. Middlesbrough, who came so close under Michael Carrick, will want to go again. Sunderland, who probably outdid a lot of people's expectations by making the playoffs. Yeah. There's so many great stories to be told in the Championship this season. The strength is getting more and more. And Neil Warnock's back. He is, and he'll be one of his, one of his old stomping grounds first up because... Huddersfield will travel to Plymouth Argyle. I know he's got lots of clubs under his belt, <laughs> but actually that's a hop, skip and a jump from where he's living. Isn't every week yeah, going, every, to be, yeah, yeah. going to be him going to a former club? So Plymouth Huddersfield will be a, a nice start for him because he sort of lives in that part of the world. He's got he property does. in that part of the world, so it'd be nice for him to get back. Interesting to see what happens with QPR. Yeah. Um, Opened a like new that. training ground yesterday. Did you see well, it? Les Ferdinand's gone now, hasn't he? Hmm. Um, and we've seen this decline and this, and this, this constant erosion of what QPR could be doing, should be doing from a financial standpoint through to an achievement point, through to Mark Walton being the manager, on to 
whoever else comes in next, you know, Michael Bill came in, got them going, and all of a sudden the wheels come off. Gareth Ainsworth, you know, I, I would always look that, to see Gareth Ainsworth do well because I think he's a decent manager. He will want to QPR to play a certain way. We knew how Wickham played after a while. They were very obdurate and physical and tough to play against. Direct, He'll yeah. Want, yeah, he will want QPR to do the same thing. I, I don't think a manager changes his spots that quickly. They got Watford on the opening day of the season in the Championship at Loftus Road. Who's going to be the Watford manager by the time we start the season? Well, Valerian Ishmael, isn't it? Well, well, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, are, we, are, we are in mid-July. You're right, but I mean... <laughs> there's, there's still a few weeks to go between there's now There's a then. guy who's inherited a ragtag bunch of very highly paid players who, as Chris Wilder was saying in post-match interviews, were not putting it in for him in that temporary spell he had as manager. He was scathing in his criticism. So there's an awful lot of... Uh, naval gazing to be done at Watford at the moment about how they approach this season. Mm. And look, Valerian Ishmael, uh, when he came at Barnsley and did an amazing job there, didn't work for him at West Bromwich Albion. So didn't, did it? No. Um, I don't think the West Brom fans took to his style of football. We're talking about direct football. Yeah. Daryl DK Long was all throws. about what Barnsley were about, hitting him early and then trying to get bits and pieces around it. Didn't work at the Hawthorns. No, it didn't. Um, Dance, thank you very much. Looking forward to another great season of EFL commentaries on Talk Sport and Talk Sport 2. We start with Sheffield Wednesday against Southampton. We mentioned quite a few managers in that uh, section of the programme. Josie Mourinho's been banned, but does it send the right message? Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oaken with White and Jordan. Let's be to Carl Froch, who joins us now, the four-time world super middleweight champion. And last Sunday, uh, more than nine years after retiring, Froch was honoured in the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota in New York. Congratulations, Carl. How did it feel? All good, mate. Very good. Um, like I said before, it's like a rubber stamp, the seal of approval on um, what's been a fantastic career. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to get acknowledged and nice to get inducted with so many legends of the game. 
Uh, you spend your time now with a, a lot of these boys so travelling around the world watching boxing. Um, do you still miss being in the ring? Absolutely, yeah, I still miss it. Um, I'm realistic, so I know I don't, I don't belong in there at 46 years old. Um, but I still, I still miss that natural euphoria and you know the the endorphins that are released when you win a fight, and even even the build up, the whole build up, and the nervous, the nervous build up, and then the relief when the fight's finished, and then the reaction, obviously, when you're winning and defending your world titles, it's it's an amazing feeling that can't be replaced. But you've got to be realistic when you get older. Realise it's a young man's game, and um, you can't you can't keep going, can you? Unless well, it's Conor McGregor. I, I was going to say that. Conor. <laughs> I was going to say that. You, you keep yourself in fantastic shape, mate, as as we see on your you know socials and whatnot. Um, never being tempted of coming out of retirement to fight someone like Conor. I know there's been a bit of back and forth from that. Do we, could we ever see the Cobra back in the ring? Listen, I've got too much respect for professional boxing to say that I could jump in there with anybody um, who's currently active in the professional ring, but. Somebody like Conor McGregor crossing over or someone like a Jake Paul, um, I wouldn't consider that to be a proper boxing match. It just is what it is. It's an exhibition. So, yeah, I would, I would do that. You know, if everything made sense and, and, and it built up well enough, then of course. I, I think a lot of people would. Any ex-professional would look and go, hang on a minute, this is an easy win. It's, it's low risk, high reward. So why not? But I'm... realistically, none of these... None of these clowns are going to fight me on the left. Well, be honest. You, Cole, you saw that interview I done actually with Jake Paul, and your name was mentioned, and I think he went along the lines of that you was an old man and he'd fill you in somewhere <laughs> like that. That's, I think that's what he was saying. Is that Johnny Nelson sat there? Has he put you up to that? <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, listen, I've got a proper straight question, which is one: How would you like to be remembered? Two: Your podcast with Simon comes out today. I don't think you'll reach my numbers because my numbers are bad with Simon. So I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. So, 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 how would you like to re be remembered? Are you talking about the Frotch on Fighting YouTube channel? Are you talking about? Um... The one Simon Jordan does. Anyway, forget that. <laughs> Listen, how would I like to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as as a as a guy that would fight absolutely anybody. I'd take on all comers. I, I swerved nobody. I, I fought when I fought like twelve world title fights back to back against the best of the best. They was all queuing up. All these monsters, all these best best fighters in the division, were all queuing up to fight me. Fight mm. after fight after fight. John Pascal, Andre Ward, Mikel Kessler twice. Lucian Butte, the unbeaten Canadian. Then George Groves came out of, out of the woodwork and I boxed him twice. Arthur Abraham, I mean, mm. the CV speaks for itself. So I'd like to be remembered for somebody who would fight anybody and always turned up and put a show on. I, I was always fit. Every time I stepped through them ropes, I was always super fit. I was a consummate professional. So I got in there fit and strong and always tried to win. And there's no quitting me either. So you were guaranteed. You was guaranteed a good night, and a good I, night entertainment when you saw me fight. I think the CV does speak for itself, Carl. I think the fight that you'd be remembered um, from from me was when you boxed Jermaine Taylor when you went over to America. Your first defense, put it on the line against a guy that was considered many considered the best pound for pound fighter, beat Bernard Hopkins at the time as well. And you just stuck to your guns and you ended up taking him out in that 12th round. And I think for me, that was one of your most memorable victories. You've got some great victories along the way and you'll go down, mate, as one of Britain's finest ever boxers in any weight division. I think, you know, you always put it on the line, took on all comers. So respect to you there, mate. Um, the only thing I'm disappointed in is this Jake Paul situation. <laughs> what are you disappointed for? You wanted to see me. You wanted to see me off. <laughs> he, he wanted. He wanted to go. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which one? Which one do you feel was your your biggest achievement uh, uh, at that level, at world level, or at any level as a professional fighter? Well, to be honest, my first my first win against one, well, my first world title win was Jean Pascal um, in two thousand eight, 
And that, that was a great win. John Pascal lost to me, then went on to win the, the light heavyweight title. I mean, mm. he beat bad Chad Dawson, one of the most feared men at the light, light heavyweight division. He beat Adrian de Kuna, then he beat Chad Dawson. So that win for me at the time was, was underrated because it was a vacant title that Joe Calzaghe vacated. But it showed how good the win was when Pascal went on to, to become light heavyweight unified champion. But the Jermaine Taylor first defence, which, which um, Spencer just um, reminded us of then, that was my first world title defence over, over on U US soil. Fighting someone like Jermaine Taylor, the former undisputed unified super, mm. sorry, middleweight king. He fought Hopkins twice, beat Hopkins, he was Olympian. And I went out there and got flattened in round three and then managed to climb off the canvas and stop him in the dying seconds of the last round. And then I was in the Super 6. It was Mikel Kessler twice, Arthur Abraham. Then after Andre Ward, Andre Durrell. Nightmare fighters, proper skillful Olympic champions. Um, I didn't win them all, but I lost to Kessler, got him in the rematch. That was a great fight at the O2, 20,000. Not quite the 80,000 at Wembley when I chin broke. <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> there's, so many, there's so many great fights, but the big, the memorable one for me, to answer your question, was probably going to be the Lucian Butte yeah, fight. Yeah, you got In Nottingham. And there was a lot of pressure because I just lost to Andre Ward. And that was my first fight back on UK soil in a real pressure fight in, against somebody who nobody thought I could beat. Awkward southpaw, unbeaten, knocking everybody over. And I just went out there with a tunnel vision, one trap mind, and absolutely destroyed him. So for mm. me, that's probably the most I, memorable. I, but there's some, there's some wicked ones in I here. I can remember that's... working for Sky and Glenn McCroy was the one, the, the one person that said you'd knock him out in that one. How are you and Rob? You two till still tight, Rob McCracken. Yeah, me and Rob are sweet. We've just got back from Canastota <clears throat> to get this um, this Hall of Fame award, so induction. So yeah, me and me and Rob are in good good shape. Always have been. I've got I've got too much respect for Rob to ever think about even like when he rings me. No matter what I'm doing, everything gets dropped. I pick the phone up. You know, it's, it's that kind of respect. W would that be why you're really sticking it to Anthony Joshua every time you get the chance doing an interview? <laughs> Listen, you know, <laughs> or, or, or is it? Are, are you guys friends? And it's just like you can do it, but nobody else can. Aj, AJ saw me at the last fight, and we had a little chat, and he just knows I'm just as honest as I need to be. I'm just honest, and, mm. and you know, if somebody asked me a question about who do you think wins Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, at the minute on AJ's performances, like his performance against Franklin, I think Deontay Wilder knocks him out. But, You've been roasting him, man, and every ta every time I've heard something, so I'm I'm thinking you two must really know each other well. Listen, if AJ, if AJ can put in a good performance against a credible opponent, and, and I think he needs to be fine at world level, I don't I don't understand coming from world class and being a world champion to then jumping in with 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 mark time fighters and fighters to build you back up. You've got to get straight in the deep end. These top mm. fighters, world champions, when they lose a fight, they get straight back in with another world champion. Look like the way I used to fight. I lost for a world title, straight back in for a world title. Look at Canelo Alvarez. He does the same Floyd Mayweather. Oscar De La Hoya, you, you name any of the champions over the history of boxing championship fights, when they lose a fight, they get straight back in the deep end, straight back into the world title contention. And nine times out of ten, they'll win it back. Carl. All this warm-up nonsense, and he wants to fight AJ, um, wants to fight Dylan White in another fight, and he's just boxed Franklin, and now he's looking at maybe Jarrell Miller. It's all nonsense. He needs mm. to get back in there and fight for a world title and show us that he believed in himself and he means business in the sport, or... Just retire and go away and sail off into the sunset because he's done well out of the game. Carl, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you think AJ and or Fury will ever end up in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Listen, there's, there's, a, there's every chance that, that Tyson Fury, if he, if he keeps, you know, if he has, he probably needs a couple more wins. If he beats Alexander Usyk, then he, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He beat Klitschko when Klitschko was still 
still active and still still dangerous in, in Germany that night. I think me and Johnny Nelson was there that night. Mm. And then and then he took on the most feared man in boxing in the heavyweight division at the time, Deontay Wilder, and had a trilogy with him. Mm. So he deserves a lot of respect. But other than them names, his, his, his resume, his CV's not really stacked, is it? I mean, I'm not just giving AJ stick. Let's give Tyson Fury some stick. Mm. He's, gonna... he's, he's talking a good one at the minute and he's talking about all these fights up, but nothing's happening. How serious is he about fighting Usyk? Mm. How serious is he about fighting you know, in a world title fight in his next fight because he's making all the noise, but he's not, there's nothing getting signed. And he's not making any fights, that's you're, the problem. You're right, Cole, he's making a lot of noise and, you know, there's a lot of frustration coming from his side about fighters that are apparently dropping out from the offers that he's offering him. Do you think he fights again before this fight happens out in Saudi or do you even think the fight happens out in Saudi against Alexander Usyk? And where do you see AJ right now? Do you know, do you think he gets out again in the summer or do you think he waits until Deontay Wilder? Well, just listen to Eddie Hearn and 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 listen to him talking about um, Jarrell Miller and maybe maybe Dillian White. Who knows what's next for AJ? Like I said earlier, I think AJ needs to jump in there with a, with a world title fight. I, I like the sound of him fighting um, Wilder and and Fury fighting Usyk in a straight semi final out in Saudi. I don't know why that's not happening. I don't know why that can't happen. But if AJ's on a rebuilding sort of regime now, then he's not going to be jumping in there with any of them. Um, them road killers like like Deontay Wilder because if he takes the right hand on the chin off Deontay Wilder, let, let's be honest, mate, it's going to be lights out because AJ doesn't fight with any confidence anymore. He's not an offensive fighter anymore. He fights on his back foot and his defence first, defensive before offence. And when he does have a go, like he had to go with, with Usyk in the rematch in about round seven or eight, he blows a gasket. He blew a gasket against Pulev and. I think the only reason he got the stoppage against Pulev is because Pulev fell over because he was so old. That fight against Pulev. What's his standout performance? His standout performance is probably coming off the canvas um, again. Is this just coming to a slagging off AJ match? Let me ask you this question because we, we have talked a lot about uh, AJ, but what do you make yeah, about Tyson what? Fury and the way he's behaved and the way he sort of tries to sort of entice everybody into the process? Aspect of this fight or that fight and then never delivers. Do you think that damages his legacy? Yeah, it's getting it's getting frustrating now. It's getting annoying listening to Tyson Fury because we all want to see Tyson Fury fight. We all want to see him in there with the best of the best. And I'm, I'm not so sure how serious he is now about, about fighting. He looks heavy when he's in the ring. He's got this excess weight around his stomach and his love handles. He's always had that. But as you get older, it gets even harder to shift the weight. And if he gets too out of shape and he's, and he's out of the ring for too long, then you get past the point of no return, and all of a sudden he's going to find himself in a hard fight against against somebody who's bang average. Um, so I don't know. He's, he's in a position now where he needs to fight pretty soon, but I don't know who's going to fight him. Who's going to actually realistically? I think Usyk will jump in with Tyson Fury in his next fight, mm. definitely. In your opinion, who wins that, Cole? I think Fury would be too big for Usyk, but it's got to be an on-point Fury. It's got to be a Fury that's that's hundred percent on his game and fit for twelve rounds. And I don't know, his, his last couple of fights, even against Dillian White, I know he, he chinned Dillian White with that uppercut, but that, that was a slow, sluggish performance and there was nothing happening. He was hanging on, he was getting through and then all of a sudden he landed that uppercut and got him out of there because that's what he's capable of doing. But against Usyk, he's going to have to be fit for 12 rounds because if Usyk decides to stay out of range and box and not engage and just jab his stomach and jab his arm and jab his chest and then take what he can when he's in range, when Fury backs him up, that could be a 12-round disaster 
for Tyson Fury. So I'm not sure he jumped straight in with him, and that may be the reason why he priced himself out of it. Because I think he, he did price himself out. That 70-30 offer was a bit of an insult. Usyk took the offer, and then the fight never happened. So what went wrong there? Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.